Muhabbettim dünyada sevdiklerimi Bu hayat yolunda tek başıma Hello, this is episode number 114 of Turkey Book Talk. Those are the sounds of Muslim Gusez singing Tek Başımayım or I'm Alone. Muslim Gusez perhaps foreseeing coronavirus there. I'm William Armstrong here in Istanbul. Thank you for joining again from your home, presumably. In this episode, we welcome two guests. I spoke to Sheyda Çetin and Ebru Esra Satıcı. They are curators at the Istanbul Gallery Meşher, which opened last year, so 2019, on İstiklal Cadesi. Most recently, they curated the exhibition on Ukrainian painter Alexis Kritchenko's Istanbul years from 1919 to 1921. That was a very interesting time during the occupation of Istanbul between the First World War and the War of Independence and Gritchenko was one of thousands who fled across the Black Sea to Istanbul and other territories after the Russian Revolution. The exhibition brings together over 600 of Gritchenko's works, including watercolours, sketches and oil paintings, observing Istanbul life at this historic juncture. The exhibition opened in February, but unfortunately, because of coronavirus, it's been suspended. However, fortunately for us, Meshher has actually made a lot of it available online, including audio and text material. So while you can't visit the exhibition, in person you can look at a lot of it while you're stuck at home so in a way you can think of this episode as a bit of a COVID-19 special but before we get on to our conversation first let me remind you once again that if you haven't already you can support the podcast by becoming a Turkey Book Talk member via Patreon presumably you'll have plenty of time these days to browse the archive of transcripts of every one of our interviews in English and Turkish that signed up members get access to and the archive includes a number of extra interviews not previously published on the podcast members also receive access to an exclusive discount deal which gets you a whopping 35% off the cover price of books published in IB Taurus and Bloomsbury's extensive Turkey and Ottoman history category. Turkey Book Talk members get a special code for a 35% discount on over 100 books in that series of academic and general interest titles including physical books, pre-orders and e-books. Finally, as a member, you also receive an archive of 231 book reviews written by myself covering Turkish and international fiction and poetry, history, politics and journalism in the Middle East and Europe. That whole archive used to be available online, but nowadays a Turkey Book Talk membership is the only way to access it. To become a member, just pledge a minimum of $3 per episode via Turkey Book Talk's Patreon page. If you're feeling particularly generous and want to pledge more, then you'll certainly be more than welcome. But so long as you pledge $3 or above per episode, membership is entirely at your own discretion. There are no pride commitments or strings attached. You'll be free to sign off whenever you want. But now on to our conversation with Sheyda Chetin and Ebru Esra Satıcı. Alexis Gritchenko was born in today's Ukraine in 1883, so he was in his late 30s when he came to Istanbul. I started by asking about what his early life was like before he came to Istanbul. The first person we hear from is Ebru Esra Satıcı. So he was born uh, in the Russian Empire, but he, he was Ukrainian. And uh, he was actually educated in philology and biology. So he, d- he didn't have an academic education in arts, but we know that he attended art studios in Moscow. So he basically moved from where he was born. Uh, he was born north of Kiev. He moved to Moscow, the capital of the empire, because, you know, the art scene was really lively, especially in the 19th century Moscow. And uh, he was already a known uh, avant painter before he came to Istanbul. We know that he exhibited in exhibitions with avant-garde artists uh, like Malevich and Tatlin, Russian avant-garde. Uh, he was also an expert in old Russian icons. Also, he published books on Byzantine art and his expertise, Russian icons, old Russian icons. Uh, he was a terrorist as well. He was 
founder of an art movement called Dynamo Color, just as explanation of Dynamo Color. Uh, it's basically a combination of two words, Dynamo, which means power and dynamism, like movement and color, you know, in English, color. Uh, so it's basically the power of color, the movement that he founded was emphasizing the power of color. That's why he, he uses, he used some large scale colors in his works. And well, then he uh, just fled the civil war. There was a civil war going on in the Russian Empire after the revolution. He just uh, wanted to, you know, escape from this war and the political instability. He wanted to stay apolitical. He wanted to just focus on his arts. He, he fled Ukraine after the revolution. I mean, do we know why you say that, that he wanted to stay apolitical? But was there a specific reason or was it just a more general kind of feeling that he had? As far as we know, it was a more general feeling, I would say. But yeah, do you have any idea? Yeah. Uh, he says he comments art is a tool for propaganda right now in Moscow. And I don't want to be a part of this. I want to be free in my work. So I have to leave the city while I can. So he decided to leave Moscow and went to Crimea first. And then he landed in Istanbul. This all raises the kind of broader question, really, of um, white Russians coming to Istanbul. Hundreds of thousands of them at the time. And they had a big cultural impact, really. Could you just talk about this wider context, where Gritchenko fits into that? And maybe the broader impact, actually, of people fleeing from Russia into the Ottoman or Turkish territories around this time, particularly, of course, in Istanbul, where most of them came after the revolution, after the civil war, people fled from Russia. They came in thousands, hundreds and thousands of people came to Istanbul. They were called white Russians because they were escaping from Red Army. Some sources say that 40,000 people came to Istanbul. Some sources say 200,000. So they were many. Uh, Grichenko was one of them. But he never felt in that community. He wanted to be outside of this community. So there were many camps by the elite groups in Istanbul. Istanbul was under occupation by that time. So there were many camps running by Red Cross, American forces, uh, British, French. So they had a shelter in Istanbul, so they were receiving food. Kurchenko was also living like them, but he wanted to keep himself outside of this community. We know from his book, from his memoirs, that he had a friend who also came to Istanbul like him. He was also Ukrainian, Dmitry Smilovich. We know that Smilovich is one of his best friends from this community, but other than Smilovich, he doesn't mention that he had other friends from that community. So we know that they were living around Pera. They had dancing clubs. They had restaurants. They were trying to have their cultural life at that period in Istanbul. Uh, but Grichenko didn't want to go those places. He even hated Pera district. So he kept himself outside of this community. He wanted to be, become friends with Ottoman painters, Ottoman intelligentsia. He was lucky enough to be introduced into that community. He had friends from the art academy. He was friends with Ibrahim Chalda, the painter Ibrahim Chalda, Nam Gismail, and Rushan Eshref and Ahmed Hashim, if we have to name them. 
And as I understand it, he wasn't particularly wealthy. I mean, he wasn't really in that sense a typical kind of white Russian migrant. You know, he wasn't an aristocrat or even particularly wealthy. Is that is that right? That's completely right. He left uh, Moscow only with his coat. That's the only thing he he had with himself and a little money when he left Moscow. As you said, he wasn't from aristocracy or from uh, he was he wasn't obviously one of the royals. Uh, but we know that there were many royals, many aristocrats came to Istanbul from the Russian Empire at that period. But Grichenko wasn't one of them. He was an intellectual. He was a painter. He was a theorist, author, writer, an expert on. Byzantine uh, Russian icons but he wasn't an aristocrat and he he had uh, really bad conditions while living in Istanbul just like most of the emigres did uh, at that period I mean the aristocrats the royal people they also had uh, very very bad conditions in Istanbul because of the war because of the scarcity in Turkey as well so Grichenko was one of the crowds who was suffering at that time so he uh, he came to Istanbul in 1919, I believe, and this was a particularly fraught time, really. There's a very unique historical context uh, when he was living in Istanbul. It was basically the occupation years. It was after the First World War. The British were there. The French were occupying parts of the country. Uh, the War of Independence was ongoing in Anatolia. So it was a really fraught time, and Istanbul was in this particular moment. Just reflecting, really, how, how he saw a lot of this that was going going on because when you look at his the paintings that are in the exhibition it's quite difficult to get a sense of that political social context it's much more we get these street scenes and whatnot but there's not really a, a sense of what's going on at the time I mean do we get any sense of that from any of his works at all uh, in Istanbul or, or was, was he staying completely uh, remote and neutral to all this that was going on? Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It was a me very miserable and difficult time at those times. I mean, in Istanbul and in Turkey, in the well, in the Ottoman Empire, <laughs> to be more exact. And Grichenko uh, also witnessed the occupation, the real occupation of Istanbul. And he noted it down in his in his journal with a date. So on the 17th of March, 1920, he noted down the, you know, the British soldiers are in Istanbul and the French ones are in Istanbul, this city was occupied the day before, so he basically wrote this in his journal. There was famine in some parts of Anatolia, and it was the very last years of the Ottoman Empire, so there was chaos, you know, uh, all around the empire. There was also a typhoid epidemic, you know, because of the dirty waters and because of the scarcity again. Uh, so it was really hard times. But uh, Grichenko was going to coffee houses uh, in Istanbul. Again, he in his memoirs he was uh, telling that uh, he he was hearing the news about the war of independence in these coffee houses, uh, and he he was also hearing the name of Mustafa Kemal Pasha uh, <laughs> in the coffee houses, and he was noting that the local people of Istanbul are angry with the British and the French forces in the city. So that was the context when he was in Istanbul. Maybe Shayda will continue about his. Yeah. On the day that he mentions the declaration of the occupation in Istanbul, he was very upset, actually, but not because of this unfortunate event, but because he was not able to go to the historic peninsula because no one is able to reach that part of the city and he will not be able to paint that day. So he missed that day. So he was very <laughs> disappointed, but in, a, in his 
uh, in his way. So he was not interested in the historic background of the of that situation. And uh, we see from his paintings, from his drawings, his themes were seashores, streets, daily life, um, historic monuments, mosques, churches. And all he reflected was the life in Istanbul, daily life in Istanbul. So he always kept himself, especially his art, outside of political issues. And the style of the works that he produced in Istanbul, I think he produced, according to the catalogue, 650 works, and they include 400 watercolours, 150 drawings, and just 10 oil paintings. So he was working pretty much on the fly, really. A lot of them are very sketchy, and obviously watercolours are kind of a easy and cheap way of producing things. I mean, there, there's a particular character to this stuff. It feels very improvisational. Almost you get a sense from of, of his life from, from the fact that most of them are watercolours, and most of them are reflecting of the fact that he didn't have a huge amount of resources. He lived in multiple addresses, as far as I understand it, and he was uh, he didn't have many possessions, and he was just kind of uh, living this very day-to-day life, I suppose. Yeah, and like I said before, he was an he was an avant-garde painter. It was his style, and he he founded this art movement called Dinamo Color and exhibited with very famous painters before he came to Istanbul. But when uh, he came to Istanbul, his style changed drastically. I would say we can still see the Dinamo Color effects in the Istanbul-themed works, but he somehow produced more realistic works, as if he wanted to document Istanbul. You know what I mean? He he was very much impressed by the city and he, he knew a lot about Istanbul even before he came here. So when he came, he was quite excited to be in this, in his words, magical city. And he, this is my understanding of his works. He, he as if he tried to document, uh, you know, all the city, the streets, the mosques, the monuments, the people. So he's kind of in a different track than he used to be in the Russian Empire. And also after he left Istanbul. He continued in a different path. Uh, so Istanbul works are very different from the rest of his works, from the rest of his career. And I think it wouldn't be wrong to say, and our consultants Vita Susak and Ayşe Nurgüler, uh, experts on Grichenko, also confirmed that it wouldn't be wrong to say Istanbul works are outstanding. And that's why Grichenko is mostly known for his Istanbul period. He is famous for his Istanbul period works. Uh, after Istanbul, he continued his career in France. He had another, te- you know, he developed some other techniques and uh, he, he had some other topics to paint. So Istanbul is very different than the rest. So he left Istanbul in 1921 and he went to, to Paris, as you say, straight away. And I think in 1930, while he was living in Paris, he wrote and published this memoir of his life in Istanbul called Two Years in Constantinople. And uh, I think it's available today in French and English. Uh, I've not read it, but uh, what's that book like? You know, what does he what does he say in, in there? And uh, what's the character of the way he writes about uh, his life in Istanbul? So he went to Paris and he published this book in 1930. So this actually gives us an idea that he always kept Istanbul in his heart and his Istanbul works made him successful in Paris too. So he decided to publish his notes that he kept in Istanbul, in French, in Paris. He first decided to publish 35 copies and today 
it is a very rare book actually it can be only found in some libraries and some private collections and from the book we learned a lot about the character of this painter he wrote what he felt his disappointments his uh, happiness his desire for the city he tells a lot about his life and the circumstances he was living through and from that book we learn about what kind of a person Grichenko was and who he met in Istanbul um, especially for the Ottoman painters it gives a lot of information about what they were living through in those difficult periods that we mentioned before so this book was a great resource for us when preparing the exhibition because we had the chance to go back to that date to discover more about some of the paintings some of his drawings his paintings and his writings they helped us a lot to understand more about this artist and when preparing this exhibition uh, published this book in Turkish now it's available in Turkish too and actually there isn't an English translation yet from French so Turkish is one of the first languages that uh, his memoirs was translated we know that it was before translated to Ukrainian and as far as we know Turkish is right after Ukrainian now and to add maybe to your very first question why we are having a Grichenko exhibition right now I mean in 2020 uh, we were really surprised that you know not more than 10 people knew Grichenko before. So we thought that it would be a great contribution for uh, Turkish art history uh, to introduce this painter in Turkey. He stayed in Istanbul for almost two years and painted, you know, more than 500 works and not more than, you know, <laughs> a dozen of people know his name. This is uh, a part of actually Meshars, our institution's mission to introduce uh, new forgotten or unknown topics, people to the Turkish audience. And as I understand it, he had quite a big impact at the time. I mean, uh, he mixed, uh, as we were talking about a bit earlier, he made a deliberate effort really to mix with artists in Istanbul, local artists. He taught lessons, as far as I understand, and generally mixed quite a bit. So he had this big influence and uh, a particularly strong friendship with uh, Ibrahim Çalı, uh, who's one of the most uh, significant Turkish artists of the 20th century. And he had a big influence on him as well. So just talk about that aspect of things, Grichenko's interactions with uh, local artists while he was here in Istanbul. Uh, Grzegko was very happy, actually, to meet with those art artists. And uh, he became one of the members of this artist circle in Istanbul. So Ibrahim Çaldı, Namık Ismail and their friends, they were having long conversations on art and they were inviting Grzegko to their meetings. But we have to say Ibrahim Çaldı was one of the closest friends among those people to Grzegko because those artists were skeptical for Grichenko's artworks, Grichenko's ideas, modern ideas, modern works, except Chalda. Ibrahim Chalda wanted to talk with Grichenko on art, on his style, on his technique, and they were visiting some parts of the city together. One of them is Mary Vihanes, Irish soldiers. 
Back then, it was not possible for a foreign person to enter those ceremonies in Mevlevihanes. But with the help of Ibrahim Çaldı, Gürtenko had the chance to see the Dervish ceremonies in Mevlevihanes. And he was very impressed. And he reflected this moment, uh, the whirling dervishes, their ritual, in his drawings. On the other hand, Imran Chaldi was also impressed by those visits. And in the in the same years that Gurchenko and Ibrahim Chaldi was together in Istanbul, Ibrahim Chaldi painted whirling dervishes and petition writers. So in, in those, it is obvious that he influenced by Gurchenko. So this is a very good example of an artist-to-artist friendship. We have another name to introduce in the exhibition, Namk Ismail. Uh, Namk Ismail is also another good friend to Grichenko. He uh, actually opened his own studio to Grichenko, where he was able to have other materials, painting materials, other than just paper and watercolors. There he was able to paint oil on canvas. Now, before um, COVID-19, before coronavirus interrupted everything, this exhibition opened and it was cruelly cut, as everything has been by this virus. And that's particularly cruel, I think, for this exhibition, because it was particularly difficult, as far as I understand, to bring all these works together, partly because many of Gritchenko's works are in private collections uh, around the world, and they're not in just one place that you can ship over and put on display. It's very difficult and very time-consuming and painstaking to bring all these works together and to contact all the people who own these various works. Just talk about that process briefly about what it was like to bring together all the works for this exhibition and and how you went about doing that. First of all, we have to say that Gritenko's works were spread all over the world. And mostly, especially the Istanbul period's works, they are in private collections. So thanks to our consultants, Vita Susakana and Ingunar, in their research, they already contacted some of the collectors. And we reached out to them when preparing the exhibition. But we also needed to make more research on it. We went through some auction houses to see if we can reach more Istanbul period Gurchenko works around the world. We had a very limited time when we were, when we were preparing this exhibition, but in the end, we received all the artworks from USA, from UK, France, Ukraine, and from Turkey. And Canada, only a single work from Canada. As Shayda said, our objective was to reach as many Grichenko works, uh, of course, Istanbul themed Grichenko works, as we could. So even if a single artwork is, you know, overseas, like the one in Canada, we tried to get it and we managed in Canada. So only a single work came all the way from Canada. Well, hopefully it will be put back on display for the public before too long. But I think you have plans to reproduce some of this material online, taking into account coronavirus and whatnot. People will be sitting at home. So what exactly is being put online and what can people do? How can they access uh, some of this work? Well, Meshev is 
very active in social media, especially on the Instagram. So we are sharing some, you know, content. It can be a painting, uh, an artwork of Grichenko, or it can be an audio record of us, the Meshar team, reading a passage from the book. So they are uh, all shared on our Instagram account, and we are also uh, on Facebook. So anyone who wants to follow uh, what we are doing uh, can see it from our uh, social media accounts. Also, uh, very soon, uh, we are going to have a podcast conversation, podcast uh, with one of our consultants, Ayşe Nurgüler, and curators, us, and our coordinator. Uh, so the podcast is on the way. And we will have video tours that we are going to explain each section of the exhibition, almost like you're having a curatorial tour in the gallery. So we are going to publish those videos soon. That was Ebru Esra Satija and Sheida Chetin. Many thanks to them for joining for this episode number 114. You can check out armstrongwilliam.wordpress.com or the show notes where I've put links to the Mesh Hair website and its Instagram and Facebook accounts in order to find some of the stuff that we were just talking about there. But before you do that, don't forget to check out Turkey Book Talk's excellent partner initiative, Turkey Recap. Turkey Recap is an email newsletter put together by journalists Razier Akkoc and Diego Cupolo. It's a very useful weekly one-stop shop that packages together all major developments in Turkey over the past seven days. Dropping into your email inbox every Thursday, Turkey Recap also includes links to interesting articles as well as some excellent puns. Just search for Turkey Recap on Twitter to subscribe. If you're a fan of Turkey Book Talk, consider becoming a member on Patreon to support us. Membership gets you that IB Taurus Bloomsbury book book discount, transcripts of every interview, transcripts of the entire archive and access to an archive of 231 book reviews written by me, which is hopefully very welcome if you're looking for more to read while in COVID-19 lockdown. To join, just pledge $3 per episode via Turkey Book Talk's Patreon account. Also, do please rate or review Turkey Book Talk on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, followed via Twitter or like our Facebook page. And I always enjoy hearing from listeners, so please send any recommendations, feedback or abuse to William John armstrong at gmail.com but until our next episode of turkey book talk in a couple of weeks stay safe and thank you very much for listening kaybettim dünyada sevdiklerimi bu hayat yolunda tek başıma ellerim koynumda bedenim yasta bu hayat yolunda tek başıma